When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck. I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic. And we get to talk about another exciting Pocono race. Who would have thought that Pocono would be such the uh, capital of controversy and good vibes, sell out crowds. I mean, if you told me 10 years ago, Pocono is the place to be, I would have been like, what are you on? But uh, now I don't want to miss any more Pocono races. So Jordan, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing great. God bless Pocono. Second straight year it delivers. Aren't you glad we have a podcast to talk about after races like this? I am relishing it. Like I was making notes for the podcast and I'm like going through it. I'm like, Oh, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Oh yeah. I forgot Austin Dillon threw his helmet, by the way. Like there's yes. like, all, there, there's a lot that happened today. A yes. Whole, well, I'm going to need to rely on your notes. Cause my head is still kind of swirling. We have oh, just finished post race here. I'm in the Pocono media center. Uh, I'm in a, I got a nice radio room here that they, they gave me and we are ready to talk about, Denny Hamlin versus Kyle Larson, because that is the big topic. We must start right there. I do not know at all how you feel about this. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Why don't you start by giving me your impression of the move that Denny Hamlin made on Kyle Larson? Uh, Was it fair? Was it dirty? How do you see it? It was an aggressive move, no doubt, but considering the circumstances you're racing for the win a couple laps to go the stakes 50 wins 600 for toyota if you're a race car driver i feel like you have to make that move you have to try to stick it in there and you've got to kind of got to force the other guy to make a decision i thought it was a great move it was an aggressive move i don't think it was cheap but it was aggressive and that's what you want and i understand why kyle larson's upset he should be upset but I don't think that Denny Hamlin did anything wrong. I I think both of these guys are right. Denny Hamlin is right that he needs to make that move in that situation, and that's what he has to do. And Kyle Larson should be pissed because he another for the second time this year, he's on the receiving, you know, the the wrong end of a a Denny Hamlin, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, you know, racing for a win. So I, I get it, and he's right that he probably should race Denny Hamlin differently going forward. But I don't have a problem with it. I think it was it. In that situation, those circumstances, you're a race car driver, a championship caliber race car driver, you make that move. Now, why do you think that was a great move, in your opinion? Because to me, he, you know, he says, Denny says, well, I, I, my objective was to go in there and race side by side off the corner because I hadn't passed him. I hadn't cleared him. So I needed to race side by side. Right. And then let's try to race it out. I left him a lane because he says his job there is to leave him a lane. But in Denny's view, he's like, well, I didn't make, there was no contact. And so yeah, that, Larson essentially drove, drove himself into the wall. 
to me, after I tried to look at the replay as much as I could, it seems like there was contact. Sure. And the contact when and it, it was slight. I'm oh, not saying he lot. went in there and just crushed no. him into the wall. It was slight, but it seemed to me looking at the replay that that contact put Larson into the wall. So whether he meant to or not, and he, in the post-race press conference, I followed up and I said, now I understand you're saying that there's no, you, you know, you, there's no contact, but the replay, I mean, it, it looks like that. And TV felt TV. Certainly. I mean, Dale jr. Is saying, yeah, there was contact. Larson said he got used up. Denny said, well, I mean, I was pretty confident there was no contact. You know, I was on the other side of the car, but then he goes back to like, well, this is racing hard for the win and stuff like that. I don't dispute that. But to me, if you go into the corner and make contact there, that is different than, hey, I went into the corner, left them a lane, and he wrecked himself to me. So wh why do you think that was a great move? You, you acknowledge there's contact there. You, so you have to be – it's a great move because it worked, and you have to go for the win. All day, passing was really difficult. We saw numerous times today where faster cars struggled mightily to get around other cars. And really the only opportunity to pass cars today, it felt like, was on restart situations kind of like that, right? We even saw – Martin Truex Jr. is a perfect example. Martin Truex Jr. has a faster car than the 5 and the 11 are as fast, and he's got fresher tires. He's got four fresh tires. The 11 and the 5 have two. He can't pass them. So it is as hard as it is to pass today, when you get an opportunity to do it, you got to go for it. And it, it sucks that it, you know Kyle Larson ended up in the wall, but if you're Hamlin, that is it. Like, yeah, you would love to pass him clean. You would love to get through there and race him side by side. I don't know if that was achievable today because we really didn't see that too much. So you have to go in there with the knowledge of like, I got to go for it here. I'm going to try to stick it in here and hope to God I don't hit him or anything like that. And if I do, I do. But I, that's why I think it's a good move is because in that situation, you may only get one crack at it. That might be it. Well, I would counter that by saying, okay, so you say it's a great move because it worked, but okay. Would, would you also consider it a great move if he did go in there and just clean him out and put him in the wall and, and he goes on to the win? Why? I don't think there's a difference between cleaning somebody out though, like going in there and just like intentionally crashing him and, and putting him in the wall. But it, by it, your definition, would that not have been a great move? Because you said that I think that that's, I think that crosses a line on the F, you know, the, what do you want to call it? The ethics scale, you know, okay. whatever you want to call it. That's a different thing of going in there and, and slamming into something and pushing him in the wall. That's different. Now going in there aggressively and putting somebody in a situation of, Hey, you got to make a business decision here. You either can stay in the gas and try to, you know, hold on to it and hope you don't bounce off the wall, or you can back off. That's what you want to do. Um, th there's a. I clear... don't think that's what happened. The, the, it didn't. I mean, he, he didn't I mean, that, that, that's what Denny's view of what happened, but I don't think that's what actually happened. Looking at the replay, to so me, your, your so your opinion of what happened is what? Like he went in there and, and meant to clean him out? No, 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 not at all. I think he went in there, absolutely meant to race him hard, absolutely meant to leave him the smallest amount of lane, okay. right? Um, and talk, force him into the, the decision that you're talking about, which was, hey, you got to lift or you're, you know, you, you got to decide how you want to race me here. I'm not touching you. But I think the fact that it, to me, it looks like he did touch him. So that change, now the intent, the intent wasn't there, but if you did touch him, that changes what we're talking about because 
it's a little bit different than, well, he just made a decision and Larson didn't want to lift. And so he put himself in the wall like Chastain did last year with Denny here at Pocono, right? Because last year, Denny really didn't touch Chastain. And he put Ross in a position where Ross was going to have to either lift or, you know, and Ross ended up hitting the wall and then said afterwards, hey, I deserve that. But to me, this there actually was contact this time where the contact is what sent it, it seemed yeah, like. I yeah. I, we're, I feel like we're saying the same thing. Like, I don't think I don't, so. I don't think so. Because I, I think Larson was in the right is what I'm saying. So Larson, I mean, Larson has the right to be upset. What do you mean Larson was in the right? Larson felt like he got used up. He did he felt get like used up. He got used up? He did get used up. I mean, Denny put him in a bad spot, and he got well, used up. That's not up. getting used up. Getting used up is somebody used you up, like, physically. Like, they, right? He put, he didn't give Larson much of an opportunity. I mean, there was, he didn't give Larson any opportunity to do anything there, and he put Larson in a very bad, bad spot. That's, to me, that's kind of getting used up. I mean, he, you know, I, I can understand why Kyle is upset. He has a right to be upset. He should be upset. I think that, um, you know, I, I, I'll be curious to see if Denny, you know, like, look, I don't think he's going to change his tune necessarily once he looks at the replay, but I think, I think it comes out a little bit differently. I think, I think then it turns to like, Hey, this was really hard racing, which it was, yep. this was really aggressive move, which it was. was. And it also is. I want, I wanted that win. I was going to take that win yeah. and sorry. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, his, his contention in the press conference was like, well, you know, sometimes you hear people in this style of racing say, yeah. Hey, I, I did what I had to do. And he, he was saying he wasn't saying that, um, well, I mean, let from me, his let me viewpoint, say- but I almost wish that I think, I think it might have to change for him because I think that was almost like that, that, you know, I think he roughed, he maybe crossed that line. That, that's what I'm saying. I think you don't he think he crossed the line, the line though. I, I he may have put a toe over the line. I don't think he like necessarily crossed it, crossed it. But I also will say this: I don't think Denny's viewpoint on this. I, I think Denny has a little bit of a rosier viewpoint on this than he probably should have it. Like I think if you went back and actually looked at this, and I think he probably will like if he's being honest with himself, like this was aggressive, like you said, like he should well, own he that. Said that. Yeah, no, yeah, he, but he I mean, like that. he should be like. I don't know. It feels like there's a little bit of a defense there that he was trying to say. Like there really is not defending this. Like it's just a, I'm going no, really but hard. No, I, let me, if, if you don't mind, I, I do think there's a defense if it turns out that he never touched him because then you really are saying, look, Hey, I put him in a tough position. He had to race, you know, he had to make a decision. Um, and that's what happened. He hit the wall because, you know, he, he chose not to lift or whatever. But I think the fact, again, that there was contact, that's where the whole thing changes for me. Um, and again, was it dirty? I don't think it went up to the line of being a dirty move because dirty to me is intentional. I truly believe he had the intent to go into that corner, try to, you know, race them side by side, even down the backstretch um, and and try to see what they could get and see what happened after that. They, they both knew clean air was you know, whoever come out of that battle is going to win. But yeah. I don't think he meant to say like, I'm going to end your day or, you know, make you finish 21st or 20th. No, or whatever I, I don't was. think he meant to do that either though. I think he meant to, you know, I, I think there's, I think there is a degree of what he meant to do here. And he didn't go to the fullest degree of, Hey, I'm going to wipe you out and push you in the wall. 
but I am going to get in this corner really aggressively. I may get into you a little bit. That's okay because that's hard racing. That's what this is about. So uh, on that spectrum, I think it's fine. And I, you know, let, let me ask you this. Let's say today was Ross Chastain and Denny's spot. Denny in Larson's spot. So we've changed the we changed yeah. one of the characters. Chastain is going for the win. He's on the inside. He uh, Denny comes off the corner. They they make slight contact. Denny goes into the wall. Race ruined. What is the reaction toward Chastain? I think he's being I mean, condemned. Yeah, he's well, being. But Denny's being condemned for this, though. I mean, you heard the booze. Like it's not the reaction wouldn't be any different than what Denny Hamlin's receiving, which is a lot of vitriol and anger because whether it was booing on that, you know, booing at the track or social media, like. There isn't many people defending Denny Hamlin here. Like, I mean, and so if Ross Chastain's there, absolutely he's going to get – it's it's probably going to be more so because it's of his rap sheet. So, but is, is there a difference? I mean, people, people – the whole, you know, serious all week would have been, you know, it would have almost been one of those situations where Rick Hendrick comes in and say, you better not wreck my cars again, Ross Chastain. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it that – is it that different? I, I don't know what I mean. I don't get what you're asking. I guess I'm confused because to me, like it was an aggressive move, and if Ross would get a lot of blame for this, and it's no different than what Denny's getting. And but if Denny had Ross's rap sheet, then I and had you know had crashed Larson to the point that they've had the run-ins like Larson and Chastain did, you might have an owner come out and say this. So I mean, to me, it's not any different. But Denny and Larson have had incidents, right? I mean, and I guess, and who knows? I mean, if a Rick Hendrick car would have won the race today and Rick Hendrick was in the media center, maybe Rick does say that. I, I don't know. Do you think Larson, okay, so Larson um, and Denny are good friends, yeah. which is a very interesting dynamic to this, right? And Larson even said afterwards, look, if Denny called me up and said, hey, do you want to play golf Wednesday? I'd probably say yes. He would go play golf with them this week he said he feels like he can separate um the friendship from the on-track stuff but he also said that denny races him like an a-hole he said larson's contention was hey you know i wouldn't race my friends like that where denny's contention is hey i i actually almost race my friends harder because we're friends so where does the friendship come into all this when you're on the track with millions of people watching and you have your teams and you're looking for playoff points. Where, where does that all stack up and how do you see that? Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Cause I'm the guy, I'm the a-hole here who says we're on different teams and we may be friendly off the track, but when it's game time, it's game time. And I'm going to make a business decision because I've got to win this race. Like we're no longer friends. We are competitors to hell with you. And I, I think you have to draw that line. And I think Danny Hamlin does a pretty good job of that. I think he is pretty, he has proven today's a perfect example of like, you may be my good friend, but at the end of the day, I got to do what I got to do. I think Joey Logano does that very, very well too. We hear it all the time about Joey, right? Like off the track, great guy, funny, joking, you know, all of the stuff you put him on, put a helmet on him. He's an a-hole and he admits it. Like, I, I think that's what you have to do. You can't sit there and say, Oh, I'm going to race this guy. He's a buddy of mine. We golf, we hang out, we do all these things together. It's like, that's great. He also drives for a rival team. He's also a championship contender with a different organization, a different manufacturer. Like you have to be 
you have to have that little bit of F, F you, right? Like you have to. And you could even say to, to Kyle Larson, it's, it's really hard to criticize Kyle Larson, the race car driver, because he's arguably the one of the best in the world, right? I mean, he's, you know, you know, he can drop in anything. But if you are going to critique Kyle Larson, what has always been the knock about Kyle Larson? He's too friendly, right? Like he's too nice. He lets things slide. We've heard about it all the time. Like he couldn't win races for a long time. It was always well. He doesn't, you know, closing laps. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that, that, that fighter mentality and go for it. Like, you can still kind of see that there a little bit because, like, I almost feel like if it was somebody else in the situation, like, screw this, man. That guy got me at Kansas. Never again. And he probably maybe would have raced Denny a little bit differently. And if this happens today, he's like, okay, it's on now. And but it's not. I mean, it doesn't appear to be. Like Kyle's kind of said, like, I'm gonna let this go, and it'll be, you know, it, like. That that's the critique of Kyle Larson. He's he's too friendly. So a couple of things there. First of all, you know, I, I did ask Larson about the Kansas thing because I wanted to see if he felt there was a comparison because I felt like at Kansas, you know, they they were coming off, they were obviously racing for the win, and I felt like Larson made the mistake. He hit the wall before Denny hit him at Kansas, yep. and so I was kind of wondering. Tried to block, yeah. I was kind of wondering how Larson would view that because I, you know, does, does he view it the same way? He said, no, that was two totally different things. So he pretty much was saying Kansas was a racing deal. Like that was, you know, Hey, I, I got into it. He said this one, he felt like he got, you know, cleaned out. Right. So that's, that's one thing. Second one about the friendship. I don't think it's that much of a stretch to try to put ourselves in these guys shoes because from a media standpoint, we are sort of in a frenemies type thing, right? Like you are trying to go for news stories. You're trying to get the big breaking news. And that's like to you, that's a win. So you might have friends in the media, right? Or like, let's say we were with, we were with different outlets and on the same team. Yeah. Right. And I, and I was trying to compete against you which obviously I would have no chance to beat you in a breaking news story, but oh, let's just pretend no credit. let's just pretend let's say, you know, you did something you, we, we, I knew we were both going after the same story. We we're both close and you ended up breaking it before me. And I thought that your methods of doing so were not necessarily above board. <laughs> I would be absolutely freaking livid with you. I would be talking crap about you. Like Joey Logano talked about that worker on his, uh, audio in his in-car audio today, the tow truck worker, right? All sorts of swear words and all this stuff. But would I not be friends with you anymore? No, I'd probably still be, I'd still go to dinner with you. I'd be pissed. Yeah. But I'd be like, you freaking, God, I hate you sometimes, but we'd still be friends. Right? So I, I think when I think about drivers being friends, I think that's somewhat similar. Like, now, look, some of them cannot be friends. Like Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch are not going to be friends. They just don't like each other, period. But I think if you are friends and you have an incident on the track, you can get mad at somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, and still move on. And I think it's I think it's it's fine as long as <clears throat> the rest of us, their teams, the fans aren't like, man, we got robbed of something, a great race here or something cool because these guys were friends. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> if they race like this, who cares if they're friends? We're still going to get the good yeah. hard racing we want. 
it, it, it's hard to, and again, it's hard to criticize Kyle Larson because his, his method obviously works. I mean, he has become one of the most successful drivers in NASCAR and across the board. He's won a championship. He's, he's set all sorts of records. He turned in arguably one of the greatest seasons in NASCAR history. And so it's really hard to criticize his method. But you could, you could say, though, he's like, could he be even better if he didn't allow himself to get used up? And he had a little bit of that mentality of where people knew, hey, if if I give it to him, he's going to give it back to me. Where maybe in these situations, Denny is a little bit less likely to take advantage of him because he knows, hey, you know, I'm going to get this back to me down the road. I mean, that that's a certain that's an honest question, and it's interesting because you don't see you don't see like a Joey Logano. Like Logano is very aggressive. We know this. You don't see guys like put him in bad spots too often. And part of that is because they know like Joey's going to give it to you. And you go back to Darlington a year ago. And when he felt like he was slighted, what did he do to William Byron? He like, he had no problem cleaning his clock. And I think that carries with you a little bit of guys know, like if I mess with him, it's on. And I think that is a, that is one element of, of Larson's game where if he had that, maybe situations like today don't necessarily happen. Well, I mean, Larson has certainly put people in bad spots. He does. He, he does that. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, often. Has. he, yeah. he races very hard. He very, does very hard, but there's a difference between like racing hard and like holding your ground and putting guys in bad spots and like putting fenders to guys and moving guys out of the way. That's not something that Kyle, to my knowledge, I don't think he does. Now he is. So that's a fault. Not a fault. Cause like, I, I mean, it's a fault. It is a fault. Cause like, really? Being a, yeah, I think so. Truex I wouldn't think. do that. Truex doesn't and, race and, like and that. It and it cost Truex a championship. It cost Truex the 2018 championship. He at, at freaking Martinsville, Logano moved his ass out of the way. And you remember that, the quote, Oh, he won the battle, but he ain't going to win the damn war. Well, what happened a couple weeks later at Homestead? He had every opportunity in the world to move Logano late in that race and he didn't do it and Logano not only won the battle at Martinsville he won the battle and the war at Homestead and so it has been a knock on Truex I mean it's been documented like he has said like sometimes I'm so nice of a guy I'm too nice of a guy and I get used up wouldn't you rather win it cleanly and not what well, a perfect this? world in a perfect world yeah but this is not perfect world like this is a I have to win at all costs mentality of is that what is it sport. is? This is sports. This is sports. And you have to be aggressive. You have to be willing to do just about anything it takes to win. And but, if but, means- okay. Okay. Again, though, you just said earlier in the episode, you don't, there's a, still a line, an ethical line that sure. you shouldn't cross. You shouldn't just well, intentionally I mean, you, you put people theory, in the wall. You shouldn't. Yeah. But you're saying, Hey, Truex should have put Logano in the wall in 2018. For a championship on the line in that circumstance, in that circumstance, yeah. Uh, well, you, what you, kind of talent does that take? It's the same thing he did to you. If you want to do the eye for the eye thing, but I mean, if you want to race hard and there, I mean, do I think people should wipe each other out? No, not necessarily. But I do think there are times when you've got to make decisions that maybe aren't the best or, or aren't the most popular because you have to go for the win. And in a situation where the championships on the line, hell yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think we're right in the middle of sort of an evolution of how we view this stuff toward the end of races, because for a while, like 
you would say, okay, you know, it's acceptable to maybe do like a bump and run on somebody, right? You'd say, well, that's clean. I mean, that's just like a short track kind of thing or whatever. It's not acceptable to fence somebody. But now we're in a situation where arrow is such a huge thing as you documented perfectly earlier in the episode. Martin Truex Jr. on fresher tires couldn't pass the two cars in front of him. And it was, you know, it was obvious that clean air was going to be the winner. So whatever you have to do to get clean air, that's going to be it. Denny overstepped the line, in my opinion, today. But is he going to be sad about that? Seemingly no, because he got win number 50, which he's been trying to get. He got the win that he was essentially owed at Pocono last year, um, except for piece of tape to break the all time clarify real quick got the email he did pass inspection we should important to note that well that is important i was waiting for that i was getting the emails here and i'm looking at it i'm like oh yeah it's important we would have had a whole other podcast just our (laughs) podcast last year was interrupted and all right we don't have to have a different narrative okay no no issues in post-race tag so now he is pocono's all-time leading winner number seven for him i got toyota's 600th NASCAR National Series win. I thought it was an interesting comment where, you know, he's he's getting the crap booed out of him. I mean, the crowd was chanting, Hamlin sucks, he's getting booed. And, you know, I have not viewed, I've not ever viewed Denny as somebody that really likes the boos. I think that he's been sort of mystified by them. He's been sort of annoyed by them at times. He understands why he gets them, you know, going back to the Chase Elliott Martinsville thing. But I don't think in some ways, I don't think like you start a podcast like the Action Center Detrimental trying to, you know, that that's that's something where you do and you're like hopefully building people, getting people on your side to people like you and stuff like that. So, and I don't, you know, he said himself in the poster, I don't think anybody likes to be, disliked so and i would say i always say the same thing about kyle bush kyle bush people say he leans into it and all the stuff yeah sure he plays it up a little bit sometimes that's because he doesn't have a choice right over the years like kyle bush would by far prefer to be the most popular driver and be appreciated for everything that he does rather than not have people like him nobody wants to show up and just have people be like you suck you know um so I mean, I get that every time I open Twitter. So I, I know how that feels. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but he had an interesting comment. I thought that, you know, they asked him about it, uh, about the booze. And he said, well, you know, they can, they can boo me when I have my rock out there. Because when you yeah. drive into the entrance at Pocono, yeah. there's these rocks that are painted with the yeah. legends of the sport and legends of Pocono, right? Denny Hamlin is now the legend of Pocono. He has the most wins of anybody here. So he will have a rock out there at the entrance and people can pass it by every time. And, you know, obviously years from now, we, we talk about this every time there's a controversial win. Nobody's going to go. Yeah. But the seventh one, well, he, he made incidental contact with Kyle Larson and put Larson into the wall. And it's just, you know, it's going to be have faded. But I do think that in the immediate future, that sort of thing could come back to bite him because, Larson was as mad as I've seen him maybe ever. He was fired up after the race. I know he had great comments on TV. Then he talked to us afterwards as well. And I think he had similar comments, but 
he was pretty fired up. So, oh, yeah. and you know how Cliff Daniels is. I mean, Cliff Daniels is not going to be <laughs> like, oh, it's okay, Kyle. Like, you know, he's going to be like, I mean, he was even encouraging him on that last restart. Yeah. Now is your chance to do something about this right away. Yeah. And they're talking, they, he told Kyle Larson too, they're talking a lot of, you know, they're talking a lot of crap on the, on the 11s radio, basically like, hey, you know, they're talking smack about you. And so, yeah, no, Cliff is, Cliff's got a long memory. Cliff remembers these things. And you know, the next time they're racing each other for, you know, a win or a spot up front there, you know, Cliff's going to, Cliff's going to quickly go to that card. Like that's in his back pocket for sure. So, well, and it's interesting because Denny has been sort of the one who has been on the wrong end of things multiple times, like the wrong end of Chastain, the wrong end of whatever, right? Bowman was, was one of them. And, um, you know, he said, I mean, listen to his podcast every week, right? Like he's, he's got to start standing up for himself and showing stuff. Well, now I feel like he potentially has one coming in a hard racing, racing for the win situation from Larson. And I feel like Denny is the type of person that tries to avoid those situations because he doesn't want to get into any of that stuff in the playoffs. Maybe he's banking on, Hey, you know what? Larson's not going to do me like that. Larson has a better head on his shoulders than that. You know, but he'll... that goes back to what I said, though. Like Kyle Larson's kind of getting taken advantage of here because of his reputation. Like guys are like Kyle Larson. He, you know, he's not going to be, he's not one to give it back or anything like that. So it's okay. We, if we're gonna, you know, we can give it to him because we don't really got to worry about him paying us back a little bit. I'm telling you though, man, Larson, Larson we'll will put you in some spots. So he will, he will. But will he, he will, will he not... intentionally wreck somebody? That's that's the question though. Like there's a di- and again it goes back to that. There's a difference. I mean, between he intentionally racing. wrecked Justin Haley at the Clash last year. That's he true. stuffed him right in the barriers. He did. He did. He did. And so maybe uh, you know I. I don't know. I mean, there's a difference between racing really hard and Larson races darn hard and he goes right up to that line, but he is not somebody who is outside the Haley incident. I'd be hard pressed to remember a time where he, you know, moved somebody in that kind of thing in a late race situation. So we'll see. Well, I mean, Larson says, you know, Hey, look, the 11 has essentially cost me 10 playoff points. Now that's a 10 point swing for the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to forget it. Now, will we see it immediately like Richmond? Possibly next week. I mean, both Hendrick and Gibbs are going to be the teams to beat again. Can we just say it too? By the way, next week at Richmond, there is a laundry list of like, of, of, I don't want to say feuds, but there are a laundry list of grudges that we're going to have to keep an eye on. You've got Bowman and Hamlin, Hamlin and Larson, Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. Corey LaJoy and Ryan Priest. I'm I'm probably leaving one of them or two out here. Yeah, it's going to be Richmond's going to be Festivus next week. It'll be the airing of the grievances. It's right? going to be great. Um, <laughs> but, but you know what though? Anything to juice that race up, man. Yeah, no, I I it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I mean, now again, once again, somebody yet again who's already in the playoffs and is from a powerhouse team wins. So. The, the odds increasing that, uh, you know, we're, we're running out of time here to see some crazy different winners or whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, before we move on from Hamlin Larson, how do you, how do you see the rest of this regular season playing out for them in the next five races? You've got two road courses, you've got Daytona, uh, which obviously, you know, that's not something where they would have any sort of Michigan. That's not, I mean, you could have hard racing there, but you're not going to yeah. do something, not gonna something do in Michigan. There. So a road course, a short track, 
Is that where we could see? I would think so, right? It would make sense. I mean, you've got Richmond, obviously, and then the two road courses, and the road courses certainly offer opportunity there. Denny Hamlin's been very fast in the road courses, won the pole at Chicago, won the, the, the pole at Sonoma, had a fast car in both of those races, but didn't take that speed and wasn't able to capitalize on it. Crashed out at Sonoma, um, spun himself out at uh, Chicago, and wasn't able to get back to the front. So he's got speed. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but there's certainly possibility there of what can happen. We saw Kyle Larson last year at Watkins Glen be aggressive. Now, that wasn't – I don't think he took Chase Elliott out, but that he definitely put Chase in a bad spot, you know. And so if the opportunity is there – Which is a great move by your definition. It is a great move. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Spin out your teammate? Uh, I, I have to go back and look, but I think I actually defended. I thought Elliot kind of moved on him a little bit. I have to go back and look at it again. I, I thought that I thought the uh, backlash on Larson was a little much. I'd have to go back and look at it. But if I remember correctly, the restart, I, I didn't feel like it was as cut and dry, you know, black and white as everyone said it was. It was like, it's hard race. Like, come on here. Like, you're racing hard on a, on a restart here with, like, you know, green, white, checkered, or whatever it was. Like, come on. Like, you know. And so um, – yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, Indy, we, listen, we saw Indy last year, man. Those can be physical races. And it's uh, – we'll see what happens. It'll be good. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. But neither of these guys, though – the circle kind of goes back to what we talked about. Neither of these guys are guys who want who want to engage in this stuff. There are some guys who kind of almost relish it, it seems like, or embrace it a little bit more and don't care. And these are two guys who kind of – want to go out of their way to avoid this because they know that this can they don't want the smoke they don't want the smoke and they know it can go sideways in a hurry and they know that come the playoffs you need to kind of keep your focus it cost hamlin before i mean it cost him in 2017 it cost him a spot in the championship four because elliot got him back at phoenix so he knows that this can go sideways so it'll be interesting i honestly in the big picture i don't think there's anything that comes out of this i i, I really don't i don't think I mean, I may be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. For it's better for us if it is. If I am wrong, I just I don't think there's anything that's going to come out of this um, enough. So you know, we thought that this might be a Toyota heavy race, and ultimately, Toyotas had all their cars in the top eleven. They finished one, two, three, five, six. Um, but I think Hendrick showed a lot more speed today. It did. Um, I think, you know, Byron was up there for a bit. I, I, I guess another what, fade by him, by the way, what the heck happened there? Yeah. Did they just get, they pitted at the end there and that was, they never could come back I, up. I don't know what happened. I, you know, I, I, I do not know. I just know that he went from being in the mix and it looked like he had the right strategy and everything was kind of going his way. And then all of a sudden he lost track position and we never saw him again. Yeah. I mean, it was odd. Byron and Larson combined to lead um, more than half the laps today. So um, Larson, to me, uh, that's a big statement in terms of like, hey, remember us? We have speed. Um, Especially, you know, too, because he overcame a spin. Like, he got into the wall a little bit. And like, that's well, in it. Bell, Bell spun Larson. Yep. And then Bell wrecked later that screwed Larson almost because he wasn't <laughs> going to have yeah. enough fuel. Yeah. It looked like so. Um, there's some some uh, one-time rivals uh, nemeses as well with Bell and Larson. Sure. Um, 
interesting stuff though. I mean, there, there is a lot of, I mean, for, for a Pocono race, I mean, you have former teammates feuding with Reddick and Dylan, which huh? on that one, I feel like that was Dylan's. Yeah. Fault there. I don't think that's a thing. I don't know how you can, I, I, I don't know how that Tyler Reddick's fault. Like, what is he supposed to do in that situation? I, I mean, he, he, it looked like we're, you, we're going to use like F1, like, or IndyCar. Like, he clearly had established his position and the three had come down. Like, I, I don't know what in that spot is he supposed to do. Like, just literally back out and say, hey, you can have the spot. Like, he held it and he should hold it. And that, that to me is on Austin. But Austin was, sure was mad. Oh, um, yeah. Throws his yeah. helmet. We haven't seen a helmet toss in a while. Oh, God. He did, he did like the skip thing, too. That was, uh, yeah, he did like, uh, like the spike and up. Yeah, kind of thing. It was, yeah. it was, it was a good was attempt. Fun. He missed, but it was a good attempt. Yeah. When's the last time we saw legit helmets? I mean, we've seen Hans. We've seen people throw a shoe guard or. I mean, something. is the last one Tony? Tony Bristol. That was a long time ago. But I mean, these helmets are expensive. So you don't throw the helmets. No, man. Those are that's that's a but three four grand or something like that for helmets. Is that what they are? I, I mean, think I so, guess yeah. you got to custom painted and. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Hmm. It ain't cheap. You know, what's weird though. So like, you know, cause like on the radio, Richard Childress was really stirring up, you know, <laughs> I'm, all sh- that. I, so, I'm shocked that RC would stir something <laughs> up on the radio. I am shocked. I am. I can't believe it. So like, so yesterday, um, I had a 12 questions with Reddick that's coming out. Um, I guess, well, next week or something, I guess. Anyway, so I'm walking from Reddick to the, to his hauler. Cause we, um, he was done with his media. He gave me a ride to the motorhome lot, parked his golf cart, and we had to walk to the hauler to do the interview. So we're walking in the back of the haulers, like in the back of the garage, like the front part along the fence. Yeah. And Richard Childress comes walking toward me. And my first thought was, Ooh, I wonder what this is interaction is going to be like, because, you know, as far as I know, like last we saw Richard Childress was not happy with Tyler Reddick leaving. Right. We have, we saw the whole, like, this could not have come at a worse time. Not yeah. possible, you know, all they that stuff. Since then, though. It helps. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Reddick got Austin Dillon into the playoffs last year, gave up a yeah, win yeah. for himself at Daytona, essentially like to push his teammate into the playoffs and, you know, RCR ended up getting Kyle Bush. So you can't really exactly. be like that happy, yeah. right? Or that unhappy. So I'm like, wow, how's this interaction going to go? So children stopped and Tyler was wearing his glasses and he kind of, made a little comment about his glasses and getting LASIK. And then they started talking. And I don't want to go into the whole thing, but like, basically it was a very nice cordial conversation, yeah. right? Like they're chatting very friendly. Like you're like, Oh, well I thought, well, that's nice. I guess they, they get along and they've moved on. And, um, not that Reddick would have ever been mad at Childress, but you know, Childress seemed to have yeah. a little bit of bad blood there. So anyways, <laughs> it's like fast forward to the next day and Childress is like that 45, that darn, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. And, you know, getting all fired up about it. So I just thought, wow, that turned really quick. Um, but yeah, cause you would just think there would be almost be, I don't know, some level of like gratitude toward Reddick for like, I mean, Reddick, I thought did them well last year. And again, pushed Dylan into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Didn't even try to win that Daytona race for himself and was being a good teammate. And I don't know, I guess, I don't know. Again, well, I guess when you get mad at people, whether it's your friend or not, uh, that's how that's how you become frenemies. Heat, I guess heat of the moment, man. Things are said in the heat of the moment where 
you sometimes regret. It's like relationships, right? You're fighting with somebody and you say something, you're like, yeah, that, I'm going to have to walk that one back later, but sometimes it happens. I, I don't know what you're talking I've never done that to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I could give you examples. No, I've I never have done a laundry that. Li- I have a laundry list. No. no <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of people that might need to walk some things back, um, Ryan Priest sure seemed unhappy with oh, man. Corey LaJoy after the race based on the footage from NASCAR. Now, I guess... LaJoy must have been the one that spun Priest. That's that would be my I'm that's assuming. my but that's TV I, I don't think ever showed that, right? No, what they just showed there? they just showed the 41 spinning. And so it didn't really wasn't at least I didn't see clearly who did it, but considering the 41 spun late and he's pissed at Corey LaJoy, I right. would, I would presume that that would be it. So yeah. Not tough day for Corey because I mean he qualified well, great qualifying effort and yeah. then gets in the wall early. Kind of gets back in position, and then, I you know on the, on the late pit stop there, he closed up too soon, or you know how to. Well, he was gonna. I mean, Ty Dillon knocked the crap out of Chase Briscoe, yeah, right. Um, and then Lejoy was leading at the time because he was on that strategy yep. that like Gillen was on, um, and they were like trying to stay out as long as possible. So then he like kind of gets this gift caution. And uh, it's like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then he pulls up to pit, I guess, and gets a one-lap penalty for it. So, yeah, his day really goes south at that point. Priest, you can understand his frustration because he was just on the wrong end of the McDowell thing last week. So he's probably feeling like, hey, I'm getting used up here. I'm tired of this crap. You know what yeah, I mean? Frustrating year, too, where, you know, yeah. you when you, you've had, you, you haven't had a lot of opportunities necessarily to maybe showcase yourself. And yet when you maybe do, you're getting, you know, shoved around a little bit. It's, it's frustrating. And he's not in a threat. He's not in danger of losing his ride. Um, but still, I mean, he's still very much not secure by any means. Right. I mean, that's fair to say. And so you, you've got to take advantage of this opportunity. So you can understand why he's frustrated. Well, I mean, yeah, especially, you know, toward the end of the race, um, before we move on to other things about the race, let, let's just talk about the priest caution, no caution, I guess, or then there was a caution. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about this one. I don't either. <laughs> because this this was a, um, I understand essentially what NASCAR was trying to do. They're trying to treat it like how they do like on the last lap. So it's sort of like the end of race strategy, right? Where they're like, okay, this guy spun, but he's out of the way. Let's see if he can get going. Um, let's not, you know, throw the throw the flag right here. But that was not on the white flag lap. That was before the white. So essentially, they go, "All right, let's let's let the leader take the white while we're still deciding this to see what can happen." Then it's clear. Okay, now he's not going to be able to get going. So they have to throw the caution. But NASCAR kind of put themselves in a little bit of a bad spot there because, again, typically, if there's going to be an incident, they don't let the and, – and it's a caution where the incident – they're not going to let the leader take the white. It might have it might happen on the last lap, and they'll try to let it play out until they come back around. But this didn't really fit with the typical end-of-race call. It should have been – if it had been consistent with what we know how race procedures go – 
it should have triggered just triggered overtime. He wouldn't have gotten to the line and they would have had another restart. Right. I mean, we've seen them before though. I mean, this is a really, you know, it's hard to compare when you talk about consistency, it's really hard on track to track. Right. I mean, if this, the guy spins at Bristol or Richmond or Martinsville, that's always going to be a caution because it's a much more track here. Place is so big. You can kind of get away with it a little bit. I, I hate to say this. I kind of feel bad for NASCAR because you're in a really tough spot. Like you, you don't want to throw the caution. You want it to play out naturally. And they tried to do that. And it looked like he was going to get going. So like, okay, yeah. Okay. We're good. And then he stopped or slowed down. And it's like, okay, well we got to throw it now. And it's like, it was just that the circumstances, the way it unfolded was weird. I, I do wonder, and I, if he was out of the racing group, right? Like he was below the apron. Is that, is that right? Do you remember? He wasn't. No, he was he not. Wasn't, he was in the, he was, he was still on the track at the time. I, I like, believe stopped. so. Okay. never mind. Cause that was my question. Like if he was below the apron, I don't think so. Was, I think he was on the track that it was going to okay, be a dangerous He was stopped spot, on the track. Then, never mind. So, okay. So, Maybe hard. I need to I go back and look at it, but yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look at it. I just, it's hard. I mean, in that spot, like, no, I, I agree. They had to call, call the caution at that point, but the problem is typically it's like, I guess what we're used to seeing is there could be an incident that doesn't, that that's okay. This, that incident, if it had been earlier in the race is a caution, right? Would you agree with that? Like 90% um, of the time, that's probably a caution. Someone, I mean, no, when we've seen, and every day, all all day, when somebody spins today is a caution. Yeah, but they were all hitting off walls, though. I mean, this guy didn't hit a wall. I mean, Priest didn't hit a wall. I mean, other times, though, when guys spun, they were bouncing into walls. So it was a clear cut. We have to throw the caution. Here, he just spun, and he kept going. So I don't think you need to throw that caution in that spot. Because we've seen it. We saw it. What was it? it was a couple weeks ago. Um it was in Atlanta with Harvick, wasn't it? Where there was a call, like you know. Yeah, the, they didn't call it. They didn't call it there. So it was I mean, late. About, it was right. late, and so if you're talking about consistency, they're kind of following their own. Yeah, but we of, were like that. We thought that was a bad call. I, I, in that moment, because Harvick hit the wall, though, right? Like, didn't he hit the wall, or there was debris everywhere? He was like limping and, around on the. Yeah, yeah, like in this one, and again, I, I, in this one, he spun. And looped it, and it was like, well, wait a second. He he just spun. Like this shouldn't be a caution. Like he just keep going. And so I was okay with that. And then he stopped, which I didn't quite understand though. I mean, he was it, did he stop because the car's damaged? But he didn't hit anything, so he has flat tires. I mean, I'll, I'll be I, honest. I have not gotten to see. Yeah, that's the, in thing. the whole like, aftermath. I, of the, I, I didn't. Yeah, see yeah, that. yeah. So I, I don't have enough to digest. I just when I saw it happen live. I'm like, wait, he just spun. This is not a caution. Keep going. And then it's, wait a second. Now he stopped. Why is he stopped? Why, you know, this, this doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, I think the fans expectations of NASCAR is you're going to try to give us a finish. Sure. And so when there's an incident that happens before the white flag where they could have called a caution and set up an overtime finish for the fans, again, a sold out crowd that came here they didn't come here to see Denny Hamlin win under caution when they could have thrown a caution and set up sure. overtime. They had plenty of time to throw it if they wanted to. Right. So I think the thing there is like, well, dang, like what the heck? Why'd you, why'd you guys do that? We never see this before or sure. we don't see it often. So I think that's where some of the frustration comes in where you're just like, what? I don't but get what happened there. The other side of that is, and 
I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here is how many times do we hear, oh, NASCAR, it's like WWE, you know, they're going to always go, they, it's contrived, you know, they always want drama and, oh, why can't they let play, races play out naturally, right? And so if they throw the caution in that situation, there is going to be a segment of fans who are like, oh, come on, the guy just spawned, like, come on. What are you doing here? You guys are just you just want chaos. Mm. Yes, there is. You know that you know that's going to happen. That happens. It wasn't every like time. a half spin or like a guy brushed the wall and they throw it. There's... He spun. He spun. Yeah, on he a spun, giant which is a caution, and, did, and didn't hit anything and kept going for a minute. Like, like you could have got away with it. Like, and if you if you throw the caution that instance where a guy just spun and kept going, we we have you can go back. We've talked about incidents like this. Like people have been like, oh come on, let the race play out. What are you doing here? Oh, you just want you just want like a, a an overtime finish to to have drama and all of this stuff. I mean, so you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Nah, that's a cop out. That's, that's a, not cop a cop out. Jordan. out. Come on. You and I both. You you can go. I wish I had. There is times where we have said like you're lumping other things in with this kind of. He didn't deal. hit anything. Ah, I mean, I'm going to go look at it now. I got to go. I'm going to go find the damn. Well, I, I guess I, I feel like this is, this is not a good situation for me because I'm talking out of my butt because I need, I've only, I only saw it in real time. You're right. It's never stopped me before. Um, so the playoff bubble, while you're looking this up, uh, interesting little twist today with poor Daniel Suarez, who, really didn't do anything wrong and was just sort of in the yeah. wrong place at the wrong time. Although uh, if you ask him, they were, they did something wrong by getting back there in the first place. He said they missed the balance um, in the first stage and they found themselves mired back there and they get caught up in a wreck. They should have never been there. They were better than that. But the result is that Suarez goes from all of a sudden being very, very, very much mm-hmm. in the mix for the playoff bubble, like right there um, to now what he is 20, three points out he's behind AJ Allmendinger in points Ty Gibbs is only five points behind Suarez um so Suarez really couldn't have a race like this today um that hurt that hurt a lot uh you know McDowell it's not like McDowell set the world on fire he ended up finishing 19th got the stage points he did Bubba um Bubba was was running really well for a while he got up to the top five and then I think yep. he had a, a a bad pit stop, if I'm not mistaken, because he to sort last of disappeared. Pit stop. There was it was slow. There was some kind of issue or something. I mean, yet again for Bubba. Yep. Uh, so he ends up finishing 11th, but you know he's he's uh he's 10 points ahead of McDowell, so he's 15th in points. Then McDowell 16th uh, in the cutoff spot. So McDowell continues to to hang in there. Uh, with five races to go, one of the best stories that we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And um, the playoff situation is still wide open points-wise. I mean, even, I think you could even make a case for Bowman um, still. Like, I mean, Bowman is not, like, out of it, out of it. He's within 40-something points, I think. But so somebody, that, right somebody that is uh, not in good shape anymore, Jordan, is definitely Chase Elliott. So... No, I mean it's it's win or go home um, for Chase, and as it has been for weeks. I'm glad you're finally coming around for it. <clears throat> Welcome to the team. I will say this though, encouraging though, if you're a Chase Elliott fan and Ch- Alex Bowman fan, as we kind of alluded to, both of those teams had speed today. Both of those, this wasn't a quote unquote typical Chase Elliott race like we've seen lately, where 
they've been kind of off all day and then they've had a mad scramble at the end of the race to get up there and they needed some help and, and figured it out. This was a team that consistently didn't qualify well, by the way, um, but got up there, stayed up there, ran up there. Like that's encouraging going forward. <clears throat> Interesting thing to note about Chase Elliott too. Best average finish of guys who've started, you know, you know, he missed seven races this year, but his average finish is tops in the series. So, you know, we've talked a lot about how bad he's been. It's it's not up to his normal standards, but still grinding out finishes. But you've got to be encouraged if you're a Chase Elliott fan or an Alex Bowman fan of, hey, at least we had some speed today. <laughs> at least we were in the mix. At least we, you know, put, we gave ourselves a shot. Yeah, I think I think uh, Elliott has the best average finish in the last five races as well of anybody. Yep. And um, but you know, somebody pointed out the tweet up today that you know part of that is you know it's it's he's been in positions where he's had to flip things. You know, oh, he's, yeah, been, he's been so far off that. Yeah. Well, in New Hampshire too, like last New week, New Hampshire they, and Chicago, yeah. like it was, yeah. Um, that said, I really feel like I'm letting people down by losing this particular argument to you. Cause I was talking to some people that tweet up <laughs> and one guy said, um, you know what? Cause typically like at the tweet up, you know, it'll, well, whoever I see at the track, people come up to me and they say, I love the podcast. And they either say, I totally on your side or they say, you know, I love the podcast, but I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I t- tend to agree with Jordan. One guy said, come up today. And he said, I love the podcast and I hate myself for this, but I typically <laughs> tend to agree with Jordan. I feel terrible about myself. Like the Chase Elliott thing was his example. And I thought, yeah, I let this guy down. I made him hate himself because he does not want to agree with you because who would look at this face? Why would you, who would why would agree you with you? not want to agree with the guy who's more often than not right? I mean, like, like, uh, Denny Hamlin said about himself, I'm not likable. That's, that's you, Jordan. That's not the first person that said that. Trust me. It won't be the last. <laughs> There's a long list of people. Now, another one of our listeners, Stephen, um, this guy, Stephen, he says that you are, quote, willfully obtuse and that you don't actually believe a lot of your viewpoints and just go out of your way to argue with me and troll me. But I said, I told him that even on our Slack messages, though, behind the scenes, you still seem to be sticking with this, which you still could be trolling me. And, and most honest. of the time, though, I don't. You can tell I don't troll you because if you notice, most of the time you ask me my opinion on things. Like today, for example, you asked me my opinion of Denny first before you gave your. I had no idea what you were going to say. We didn't talk about this, I, you know. So, oh, and this happens a lot where you, you kind of set things up and you ask me, and then you come back. And so I, more often than not, don't know what you're going to say. Okay, so you're not trolling me. I just I want to, never, I just, I'm, I, cause the listener, the people at the tweet up were saying, so is he trolling you or does he really believe the stuff that he says? Well, no, and I, I mean, was like, I, I don't really know. There are times when I do tro- like my oh. opinions, no, hang on, wait, hang on. There are times my opinions, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, none of what we say in here is contrived. Like we firmly believe what oh, we say. So you really believe everything you're saying. I'm saying, but there are times like I poke fun at you, whether it's about Bristol, you know, well, I troll you, sure. you know, I troll you in that respect. But with I your opinions, are you, do you really believe no. everything that you all your opinions yes. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Okay. Well, there we have it. You're not being think, willfully yeah. obtuse then. No, that's a, that's a, it sounds like something on a Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> well, there is a thing about being obtuse. Yeah. I know. It's a, it, yeah. It sounds like the warden talking to uh Tim Robbins character. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, what else is on your your notes thing Ooh, from on, uh, from Pocono? Uh, oh, what do you think about the uh, Joey Logano tow truck uh, kerfuffle? So look, I I <clears throat> I honestly completely get this frustration. Um, well, first of all, I think it's two different things. I don't know if you guys heard the audio, but Logano was going absolutely ballistic inside his car, yeah. and what he did not hit the radio button to say this right but it was the in-car that was yeah. captured by you know you're watching somebody's in-car camera the engine's off right and so you can hear him screaming at the safety workers he's he's trying to get their attention now a lot of people on twitter were like well he should not have said that to them and called them all this stuff i don't think in my impression was they did not hear that now obviously they probably heard the recording later right <laughs> they're here now yeah they're here now he's <laughs> trying to yell. So he's basically in his car. Like if you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off and you go beep, beep, right. You're not thinking anybody's going to hear you. I think that's what happened with his situation. Then somebody gets close to the window and he's trying to, he's trying to get their attention. Hey, give me a tow. They're trying to push him. Yeah. He has four flat tires. He's like, tow me back, lift me up. Right. So that's one thing. And, you know, he said, it's a really rough ride. You're bouncing all over the place. The tow truck, the driver's still in the car with this system that NASCAR has. But I understand the frustration because this is, I mean, we're a year and a half into the next gen now. It shouldn't be that when you have flat tires, just flat tires. Now he had, he hit the wall too. So he would have had a broken tow link or something, but we've seen it over and over again. You have flat tires. You get freaking stranded on the racetrack just because you spun out and didn't hit anything a lot of times. It's like, come on, what's going on here? Logano's suggestion is, which has been brought up before, why don't they bring a truck out that has tires on it? You can put old tires on it. Put the tires on it, just change it right out there and have the driver drive it back. He said that would have saved a lap and a half or whatever of caution of seeing him slowly being towed back. It would have sped the race up. It would have gotten him back faster. It gets the competitor back faster than being towed all in, which by the way, when they get towed, it completely destroys like the underbody of their cars. So look, I understand the frustration is what I'm saying, but you don't seem to uh, be on board. Well, I, I agree that it's an issue and you don't want to see guys when they have flat tires, you know, stranded like a beach whale, but having a, a triple a service, you know, crew come out there and change a tire. I mean, you, how, you, are you going to do, you got to have an air wrench. Um, you, we, we have seen, uh, are they going to do it proficiently enough? Are they going to get the lug nuts on there? Are they going to do it in a timely manner? I mean, this is just opens it up to all sorts of why, like, no, it doesn't. We, we have seen, I'm not trying to be, put scuff tires on so that you have to come back. I'm not worried about the tires. I, I get, okay. I get the principle of putting the tires on there, but we're asking the, the track service workers now to be tire changers. No, you have like a people that have had pit crew experience or something. You don't have to change it super fast. I mean, people uh, that know how to do that, like you come out, you send them out there in a truck in a safety truck and they got an air gun with them. Yeah. I, I don't, you can it's have a truck sponsored. Oh, here comes the rescue crew sponsored by blah, 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 blah. How many, I don't feel like it's as pro, uh, it doesn't feel as problematic as it once was. I mean, today oh, it was, it's happened a lot the last few weeks, right? I just, I don't know. I was having a service truck out there changing. I don't know. I just, why you have a tow truck dragging his car back. Well, like, while no, he's no, in no. The car I will going, agree with that. Oh, that, oh, oh, oh. that was, 
if you're listening to the podcast first, the audio version of this, please, please, for the love of God, go back and watch. Uh, the I forgot video that was on this. video. I forgot that was oh on my, video. Please, I beg you, it is worth your time <laughs> just to see the facial reaction that Jeff just did describing a bumpy tow truck. Uh, oh it's too I'm late crying. now. It's already reported. I'm crying. Oh, so God. close circuit to Zach Elbert and NASCAR Chasm, my two good friends who love uh, this podcast and they love to make a gift off of this. Um, please, for the love of God, please <laughs> capture that moment for me. Please. I'm begging you. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I hate the YouTube version of this now. <laughs> Sorry. It's so good. Myself. Oh, it's good. Uh, what else we got on the list? Denny versus Kyle. Strong. Uh, All right. Can I talk uh, about Pocono, please? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, please. Dude. I think it's a great point. I think we need to talk about Pocono. Like I've been waiting for, for this because like you're you're geeked up. We talked earlier today on the phone and you were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, got it. OK. OK. So Pocono <laughs> used to be I remember the first time I came for, to Pocono it was 2007. I was working for NASCAR scene and uh, that was the year, you know, I was really um, my first full year on the beat, like full time. And, you know, I'd been to a bunch of tracks like when I was covering the sport part time, but I was hitting like all these tracks for the first time. And I remember coming to Pocono and sitting there with Bob in the garage and going, what the hell is this place? There's like no atmosphere here. We're like in the middle of nowhere. Like it's these two 500 mile races, six weeks apart. It's this really old school, sort of like not well-kept place. It's raining all the time. Like why are we here? Like, and, and I remember like they still have a part of it in the media center, but there used to be this, you know, cause Bill France, like he felt indebted to yeah. the Mattiolis for giving them a race when they needed one and all yeah. the stuff. And so there's like, there's a blown up, uh, card with a handwritten note from Bill France still in the, in the media center. Now they always had it very prominently displayed. Like Bill France kind of owes us or, you know, NASCAR owes us. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Um, and I was just like, I remember at one point in my career early on, I was like, I hope that at some point in my career, this track goes away. I absolutely hate this place. Like I just freaking had no use for it at all. Over the years, over the last decade, really, you can really tell that they've been putting, just a lot of a lot into it right obviously you know the grandkids um first with brandon igdalski now nick igdalski um and the track president is ben may not a grandkid but um Part of obviously the tight tight with the uh igdalski family but um you know they they are taking what they have and trying to make all sorts of enhancements so every time i come back here, and i haven't been here for four years every time i come back there's something new there's something different it's like they're not just like all right, cool. We got the TV money. Sweet. Uh, another, another year collecting that check. Let's go spend it on this. You know, let's go build some mansions on the lake and not put anything back on the track. Like they've really, really done like the enhancements are doing here. are Great. Um, and look, uh, it's, it's still an older facility in a lot of ways. Like I guess, you know, they, they tore down the victory lane building this week. That was sweet. Um, Nick was telling us that was like a prefab parking garage that Doc Mattioli bought back in the day. It was a parking garage. He bought it at an auction 
and he put the he put it up in the infield. He he just didn't he didn't put the little spiral things that take the cars up to the top <laughs> on the sides. But that's a that was a parking garage that turned into like suites and at one time the media center and and you know the the victory all this stuff. And look, it was a it was not supposed to last that long, right? Like it's it was very weathered. It was very old. They weren't going to be able to like renovate that thing. They had to tear it down. So instead, they built this new fan deck. Um, which I went up on this weekend and was like, oh, okay, this is cool. It's kind of like that Daytona fan deck a little bit yep. over the garages. Uh, this, this one's not over the garage, but right over the front stretch. And then they put the victory lane in the fan zone and you can kind of go right up to it. Just like the Phoenix one a little bit, you know, the Phoenix yep. uh, one where you can, if you have a, a pass for the infield, you can like get as close as you want to the victory lane. You can get like sprayed with the champagne basically. Like if you get there, there early enough, right? So then I went out in the fan zone. They've got they've they've expanded the fan zone since I was last here. Uh, they paved over all the stuff. They've got merry-go-rounds. They've got a gravitron. They've got all these displays, face painting, like tons. It was like the haulers. The amount of haulers they had for the souvenirs. It was like an old school souvenir merch haulers. I mean, there was people everywhere. I walked by at one point. There was this huge line. There were so many people here today. There was this huge line. And I was like, oh my gosh, like who are, what driver autograph they're trying to get? I walked by, I was like, there's probably 150 people in line. And it was like Eric Jones autograph session coming up, you know, in 10 minutes or whatever. And I was like, holy crap, like people are clamoring to get Eric Jones autograph. Like people are geeked, fired up to be here. Um, it was obviously a sellout. Biggest crowd here since 2010, I think they said. They've opened up more camping. The, the camping is just slammed here. Um, and I just think, man, for a track that just once seemed totally useless, you know, they were one of the first tracks to go, you know what? We don't need 500 mile races. It's okay to have 400 mile races. Mm -hmm. Obviously they tried the double header thing and it didn't really work out that great. And then it goes down to one race, but you know what? This is again, the testament, a testament to what can happen when you make your one race, a big event, That's you put everything funny. into it. Um, they're, they're just doing, I think they are doing a, a spectacular job here to me. Like I was walking around, I was like, I would actually come here. Like not if I, if I wasn't in the industry and, you know, going for work and sometimes I walk around, I'm like, well, would I come to this race if I was just like a fan? I was like, ah, you know, some places no. I was like, dude, I would come to Pocono. I mean, the weather, it was in like pretty much like the seventies all weekend for the summer right now. Like, um, the other night, we went to dinner at like one of the lakes. You're sitting out patio, having a burger, looking out at the lake. It's like, I was like, why did I hate this place so many years? <laughs> what in the world? And you know, like I will say it's very close to New York city. I flew, I fly into Newark, Two hours. Newark, New Jersey for this race. And I mean, you can be in Manhattan door to door, um, in two hours. Right. And, Two hours. and Philadelphia too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and so, you know, I got a day in, in the city. I got to come out. So I'm like, man, Pocono. Pocono is like, I love, I love this place now. So I'm glad it didn't go away. I think it's great. Um, the, I mean, dude, the, the attendance here, the vibe was just a total throwback. Um, it had, the place had energy all weekend. I was just super impressed. Like the amount of people walking around, like kids again, like just, I, I was like, I thought, man, you know what? If I had my two little girls with me, they would love this. Like the amount of stuff there was to do here. 
So like, I can't say enough nice things, honestly. Like I was just, you know, it's, it's sort of like gateway, right? Where some, sometimes like you have a track where it's like, eh, it's kind of an older facility. Like what do they really have to work with, with the footprint? But like they, they make the most of it. Like they have innovative things to do like concerts or whatever it is. And Pocono is like, they're doing great, man. Like good for them. They've, they've made this place a must stay on the NASCAR schedule in my view. So very, I, I was just, again, super impressed. Uh, I've written about Pocono and kind of its future a lot. Um, wrote a big story about in 2019. And then a year ago I wrote about it and how, well, you know, Pocono, it, it lost a race and it was something that it wasn't ever supposed to be taken away. You know, as you talked about, they had the, the relationship with the France family and everything. And what was Pocono's future going forward? And while Nick and Ben were, I mean, admittedly, they were hurt, frustrated. They, don't, they didn't want to lose two races. No one does. They were embracing it, though. Like, we are going to make this work. And they have. And I think what Pocono's done, a few things. And one is, is, is we've talked about this before, is one race at a lot of these tracks. It's so many of these tracks, I think, is just so important. Because it does feel special. And because Pocono is such a unique racetrack, it's unlike anything else. And it's, it's great to go there once a year. Now, do you want to go there twice in six weeks? Hell no. But once a year, you're like, that's really cool. And it is a track. And Chris Gabart talked about this in, the, in, in post race. It is a track that rewards the best drivers and teams because you need an engine and a pit crew and strategy and driver and all of these things. So the best drivers, the cream of the crop often, often rises up here. And the guy, you look at it, guys who win here, usually you're in the championship mix that year. And there's, that's not a coincidence. And so it's cool that you have this racetrack that challenges teams. And you're going there once and you're like, this is something we circle now because we want to go there. We want to see where we're at. It's a proving ground. And that's great. And the racing's been good, too. The racing has been much better. Today was a little long, but we got cautions, things like that, whatever. And and so they have embraced it and they made it work. And having one racetrack, it's like Michigan. It's the same thing. And New Hampshire. It just feels special. It's like that is our one trip there. And I will say this. They have done a really good job of embracing also. They knew who they are. They aren't trying to do like the bodiness or the craziness of Talladega, like infield or Bristol, which is fine. I'm not, that's great. They, they, Talladega does that well. Good for them. That, that's awesome. And you need that. But they also at Pocono say, you know what? We're going to kind of embrace the, the quote unquote family atmosphere. This is a, you know, you could bring the family and have a camping weekend and, and have good fun. And I'm not, and again, that's fine. I mean, they and have a like, dog park here to your point. Yeah, with the exactly. Camping, like, you know? It's like, you know, and, and so you embrace those things. You talk about bringing your girls there. Like, I'm I'm probably guessing you probably wouldn't bring your girls to the Talladega infield. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, but and that's fine. And, and again, nothing wrong with that. Like that's to you know you need to cater to different crowds, and they have catering to a different crowd, and they're making it work, and that's great. And that's and I give Nick and Ben and, and the staff their credit for embracing it, saying, you know, we're not just going to put the money in our back pocket like you hear so many other track operators are accused of doing. They are putting it into the facility, and it, yeah, it's it's aged warm, but it's 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 fine. It's once a year. It, it, it's I'm not. It's not crumbling. They're obviously spending money to make things better where they need to to improve it. I, I think it's great and it's a good stop. And it's two hours from New York. It's two hours from Philadelphia. It's in reasonable driving distance of Pittsburgh and D.C. and Cleveland and all of these other good sized cities. It serves it serves a purpose, and they have figured it out. And it's a great stop. And it absolutely. Don't so you sit there and talk about the, the cup schedule and what you should do this and that and what you should take away. 
Pocono deserves one date, and they they that thing should be entrenched. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's it sort of goes from like honestly in my mind, I'm like when we when we talk about our races next year, Jordan. I don't know if I'm gonna want to uh, share this one. I mean, I might be a That's little fine. stingy about this. So you can have Pocono. You know? That's great. It's well, have you been here? I can't. I've been here. Yeah, I've okay. been here. Yeah. Well, it's fine, and I you know it's fine. I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, it, I. I don't know. I don't have to look at the schedule and tell you what's the week before Pocono and the week after Pocono. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, no. you know, I'm, so, I'm just you know, saying it's, yeah, it's no, a place it's, that I, I've, I've enjoyed, uh, yeah. I enjoyed this weekend. Quite and I will say so. this. And if you're a fan too, and to your point, like you can kind of make it a thing of, Hey, we're going to fly into New York. We're going to spend a couple days there. And then we're going to drive up to Pocono. It's only two hour drive. Like you can, you can plan trips around that. That's, it's not easy to get to it's out there but you can still make it work. And so I, I, I think it's great. Like, kudos to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else, uh, what else do we need to talk about here? I think we have everything covered. My friend, we have discussed everything on my list. Wow. Okay. We're good. Well, I, f- I feel like there's something else, but I, I can't um, uh, remember it. I guess we can just talk about the good race poll. Let's see. Uh, Denny versus Kyle Toyota strong, the Ryan priest caution, we mentioned William Byron fading. Uh, we mentioned the tow truck stuff. We talked about Bell's comeback. Bubba Wall's pit road issues. The Chase Elliott point situation. Oh, one other note here. It's just something we've kind of touched on. Another week where Ross Chastain was really quiet. Like, with the exception of the the Nashville win, which was, there was no doubt about that. But really, kind of very quiet summer for Ross. Very quiet summer. Yeah, I mean, he finished 13th, but... Yeah, that he was not, not really in the conversation. No, it, so, and when you talk, we talk about how the big teams. The, the, but the last year at this rock. race, last year at this race, remember he was right in the mix. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then we talk about how the big teams kind of rise up here. Well, what did today happen? Right, you had Truex in the mix. You had the twenty-four. You had Kyle Larson. Um, you had uh, Hamlin. I mean, you had the guys that we've kind of talked about this year um, in the mix. One guy that was not noticeably was Ross Chastain which is again, something that I think it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, like you look at the lap leaders from today, Byron loved the most laps. We've said he's, yeah. you know, sub, a, a final four pick Larson yeah. led the second most laps. He's a final four pick Logano. I mean that he led the first, uh, yeah. you know, he, 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 well, not the first 21 he's, laps, but yeah. he led 21 laps early and then it, to win the stage. But, that wasn't necessarily reflective of the day, but then uh, Truex comes next with 20 laps. And obviously he, we feel like he's a championship favorite. So, you know, a, a lot of the guys that like you're saying, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it was the, the people you would expect to do well. So, yeah. So, so last week in the, was it a good race poll? I said 70, you said 60. It ended up being 65.2. Unbelievable. Close. I mean, we were right there. Um, but it just went 0.2 in my favor. Um, so that's unfortunate. Cause I mean, you, you had a good guess. I, I didn't discount your guess at all. We were just, uh, you know, just right in the middle, I guess. So, um, what's this Pocono race going to be? So, you know, I see a lot of people that were like, I saw, I thought I saw some, some stuff on Twitter that were like, I don't like this. This race sucked or whatever, but I don't really feel that way at all. Like I thought, okay, well there was, I mean, a lot of action. There was 11 cautions, which is the most I think since 2000 or the 
something like most since 2010 or something. I can't remember my own stat. Um, it was quite a while. Uh, the track record here was 13. So you just, you don't see that many very often. Um, and it was probably, I'd have to go back and look, but for a 400 mile race, the, the amount of cautions is probably, um, maybe the most. So, um, I'm not sure. Oh wait, I have it right here. Um, let's see. So when did they go to 400 miles? Um, yeah, this was the most cautions for a 400 mile race here. Yep. Um, so there you go. Um, so, you know, and again, like there was controversy at the end. Now people obviously didn't like the winner, but, and you couldn't pass necessarily. It was hard to pass, but I don't know. I I still think it's going to be, I'll just go, uh, 75. Good, good guess. Good guess. Is that what you were going to say? 74. Oh, just say 74 then. You don't have to change your guess. Just say 74.9. No. We'll just go over under. I'm going to do 73. Okay. I'm going to at least give you like a point, a a buffer there a little bit. I hope that costs you because you should have just gone 74.9. Yeah, I'm trying to be not a jerk here. Like I was talking about being a jerk at the beginning of the show. And yeah, know. I don't get that. Under your definition, Jordan, going 74.9 and winning because of that would be it, a quote great move. It's because good, it's, it's the a result good race that matters. Pull in the grand scheme of things, I really don't care about this. Oh, you don't care again. The guy who cared so much when he was winning at the start of the season over and over again, you cared and now you don't care again. Whatever. There's nothing. We're not wagering on anything. There's no, there's no stake. <laughs> oh my God. You are out on this poll so fast. Yeah, I think you should, four. you should, can we, you know, like I'm saying, uh, we're not getting enough consistency from NASCAR. I want consistency from you, Jordan. You said <laughs> it's a great move to go right up to the line and potentially cross it because it's the end result that matters. Therefore you should use the strategy of being a little bit cheap and prices writing somebody on the, was it a good race poll? If if this actually mattered in the grand scheme of things, if there were stakes, if there was something tangible to achieve, then I maybe would have that mentality, but this is just, uh, okay. Well, what do you want to wager on it then? Oh, we should actually, let's save that. Let's start with the playoffs. We'll start with the playoffs. We'll, we'll do it. Oh, we we'll start with the playoffs. Oh, well, we should. That's okay. Well, what's the regular season winner going to get? What kind of advantage are they going to get in the playoffs? Do they start with like one win or something? Yeah, we could do that. That'd be fair. That's fine. How about the, okay. Let's how about the winner. The loser has to buy the other dinner and drinks unlimited. <laughs> unlimited. Wait, yeah. what do you mean unlimited? Well, if we go out, if you're we're going out for a night, you got to buy me. If you, the, the loser has to buy drinks all night long. There's no cap. Oh, on. just for one night. Yeah, not unlimited. Like every time we go out for dinner. No, no, no just one night. But if, wait a if minute, you, every time I see you, we're at, at a work function. Therefore, we can expense. You can't. Uh, you can only expense dinner. so many alcoholic drinks. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm too tired anyway. I don't go out like you <laughs> on a Saturday night where you do your best work. I'm not going to be doing that. Do I'm going to be in bed. So you night. can, you can, I'll buy you the one drink that I can oh, expense. That's great. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Okay. That, that's not, we need a better bet. Enough. We'll come up with it. Can you guys tweet us and su- send us some suggestions on what we should do for our wager? Because if there's a wager and there's stakes, apparently Jordan will play hard. I just want to see what it's like when you play hard and then consider it a great move. 
freaking guessing game. We're grabbing numbers out of thin air. There's no skill set to this. I think there is a skill set, my friend. There is skill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. You know what doesn't take skill? Just running someone straight into the wall. That's what doesn't take skill, but you would say that's a great move. So, in, in circumstances, if you're racing for a championship, there's probably uh, something you got to consider doing. Mm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Well, everybody, we. Uh, we enjoyed talking to you once again. Thanks for all the positive feedback. Um, I'm telling you, like the, the amount of nice things that people say about the podcast just blows me away. Like I, I just, I am so grateful and sincerely like so humbled and appreciative by the people that come up to me at our track and say, like somebody said, you know, oh my gosh, like you're, you're my Monday morning gym routine. People just say on oh, my drive to work, like all the stuff, like however, like for whatever reason you guys listen, just thank you. Like we, we truly appreciate it. I know it probably gets old hearing us say that, but like Jordan's not trolling you. He really means it when he says, thank you. <laughs> I am i I'm not the most uh, emotional person as I have made very clear, but, uh, when people tell me they like listening to us and that this is part of their routine, it, it, uh, it makes me smile. And I'm very appreciative and very grateful that we get to do this every week. And, I don't know why people listen to us. I don't know why they have as part of the routine, but uh, thank you for doing it because it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's my favorite time. These two hours are my favorite time of the week. Two hours? We've never done a two hours podcast. No, all the time we we before the show, after the show. I oh, mean, I don't know about you. I try to make some notes, you know. <laughs> well, not me, Jordan. <laughs> anyway, uh, see, that was a likable thing to say. Maybe you can redeem yourself yet. Uh, <laughs> all right, not a likable guy. Trust me. All there's right. a lot of people who agree with that comment. <laughs> You and Denny. You and Denny. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bad Boy Island. What? We're on Bad Boy Island. Bad Boy. You and Denny are on Bad Boy Island. <laughs> okay. Wow. I don't think that's a place. To, well, maybe that is a place you want to be. You're probably proud of that. You bitch. You got to wear it. Okay. All right, everybody. We're getting out of here. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Talk to you next time on The Teardown. See you everybody.